Well, greetings. Greetings and welcome to another edition of the Guardian Podcast with Ren Melberg. My name is Harold Nickel. Before we get with Ren and talk about is Agile right for you or not, there are some items from the world of Agile that made the news this week we thought you might be interested in. First, the IIBA and Agile Alliance announced that they have a new collaboration. This is on Yahoo Finance. It seems that the proliferation and evolution of so many Agile techniques are really changing the role of business analysis. And to read all of it, you can go to Ren's website, which of course is renmelberg.com. Amadeus Consulting offers process tools that address planning gaps in Agile software development. And this is a release that they did that they broadcast over PR Newswire. It seems that many organizations are turning away from waterfall and looking to Agile development methods. And Amadeus Consulting is helping educate and introduce some new tools for that. The Agile Conference 2016, this is a story from Software Development Times, how to measure your DevOps initiatives. And if you were listening to the program last podcast, we spent the entire program talking about DevOps. Again, that's from Software Development Times. Finally, there's a new Agile conference that's coming to Nashville. It's a conference that the Music City Code Conference has added. It's in 2016. If you want to know more about that, like I say, or any of these, go to Ren's website, which of course is www.renmelberg.com. Coming up in the interview segment, Ren will help us know, decide if Agile is right for us, and if it isn't, and if it's ultimately worth the cost. Thank you for listening to the Guardian Podcast with Ren Melberg. This week during the interview segment of the program, we're going to talk with Ren about recognizing the need for Agile. Just like anything else, it may not be for everyone. So for the benefit of those considering Agile, but who are still a little unsure about making the plunge, Ren has the answers. And Ren, there are lots of reasons to consider Agile that you've spoken about over the weeks. If you work in a place where some of the following things occur, missed due dates, missing requirements, unhappy customers, unhappy team members, um, immediate demands for edits to the software, no end dates, version one gets folded into version two, etc. Anyone who experiences one or some or even all of these is probably a good candidate for Agile or not. It's definitely if they have one or more of those, and the list is even longer, right? Because if, for instance, you have a wonky architecture or you're unable to do continuous delivery or continuous integration, those, you know, are just a few other reasons, right? Yeah. Or if um, you have um, sort of an, you know, an, an, an 
development issues with your population. So you have some people who are really, really senior and a bunch of people who are junior and no one in between. Mm-hmm. You know, there are agile practices that have been extremely effective in those situations, right? And part of what we've talked about is it's not necessarily an all or nothing thing, okay. right? Mm-hmm. Agile is a big toolbox of practices. And there are organizations who've been very successful at implementing um, DevOps practices, for example, mm-hmm. um, or you know some of the things that we learned from extreme programming. To be more specific, mm-hmm. DevOps comes from extreme programming, right? Um, and without having gone Scrum or having gone Safe. And they've been very successful because those practices were geared to solve very specific organizational business problems. Right. And that's really how I tend to look at it is what is the problem you're trying to solve? And let's see if we can come up with a really good solution for that. Right now, a lot of the solutions that have the lowest cost and the shortest time to value mm-hmm. have been agile or are agile solutions. Okay. So let's say then that you're called to make to make a case for agile. How would you address reservations about risk and change averse company leaders? How would you sure. talk to them? Well Change averse company leaders, I'm hoping, uh, and I'm not the only one, there's a whole uh, a set of literature, business literature about this, that those guys need to either get on board or retire because right. change is what we do. And as leaders, we have to be change leaders. And it doesn't matter what industry or what level of leadership we're talking about or what part of the company or part of the organization we are leading, we all have to be change leaders. That's just the nature of the game now. And we need to stop pretending that change is an option. Because uh, it isn't. <laughs> Not if you want to stay in business. Um, and as far as risk, one of the things that uh, is a personal appeal, it's definitely appeal to a lot of leaders, is um, Agile takes risks and beats it down to its smallest component. Mm -hmm. And so it becomes more and more manageable over time and less detrimental to your organization, less scary. And, you know, we had, uh, you know, a guest on a few podcasts ago, Paul, Mm -hmm. um, who talked about what executives are really doing is making a bet. What you're doing in Agile is you're making those bets, you're making a lot of bets, and each of them is smaller. Mm-hmm. So the risk of each one of those bets is really low. Right, right. Really low. And this is why auditors and regulators love Agile companies, because their risk management just naturally improves significantly, and the risk to the organization improves significantly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's exactly right. And I love the phrase um, about taking risks and beating them down into their smallest <laughs> possible 
components. That's um, that's pretty compelling for addressing the the risk averse. And I guess too the the benefits of agile, I think, are pretty well known. Like what you just talked about, plus better quality, faster time to market, reduced costs, things like that. Were anybody asked if they wanted those things? I'm sure that the answer is obviously going to be yes. So with that universal appeal, everyone should choose Agile, shouldn't they? That is probably the current spike, guys, right? Right. Um, but I still like to leave the door open for the option for some waterfall practices. Mm-hmm. Um, there are areas, and we, you know, when I spoke about regulation, there are areas in dealing with certain regulators, for instance, um, mostly the FDA and some financial services, where the regulators aren't there yet. Mm-hmm. And so we still have to do our checklists and do some of these very waterfally things um, in working with our regulators. And that's fine. That's just the way it is. And, and you know, we make it work. Right. When you, especially when you consider, um, practically the entire financial services industry has gone to agile, at least in part. Mm-hmm. You look at the top six world banks, and five of the six of them have gone agile to some degree. You look at the top four credit card companies, and they all have gone agile. Right. Right. So it, it it's. It's really, and actually, if you look at the top 20 credit card companies, they're all agile. Even when we look at our retail companies, um, Walmart is now starting to go agile, which now makes all the top retailers have gone agile. Walmart, shockingly, is the last one to kind of say, okay, we're going to do this. Um, And so that's going to make Waterfall. Um, less and less appealing. And we're just going to see more opportunities on how we can change how we're doing things today from the waterfall world to being more agile. Um, And we also want to leave the door open because we're agileists, right? Right. We know things are going to change. We believe and we invest heavily in continuous improvement. Mm -hmm. So we want to leave the door open that, that something else, that may be even better than Agile may come along. Mm-hmm. And we want to literally leave our minds open to that as an opportunity as well. But Agile is the best that we have for addressing those things that you mentioned, quality, time to market, um, business value, and customer and employee satisfaction. Employee satisfaction in Agile companies is so much higher than non-Agile. Right. Yeah, and you mentioned employees, and I think that, you know, before we all get on board the Agile train, there are going to be certain personality types that are not well-suited to Agile. Tell us who who they are. They tend to be people who are rigid mm-hmm. in their thinking, um, who, that's one you know, one personality type. Another one is person who wants to be the center of attention. Mm-hmm. Um, those those aren't really compatible. Um, it's funny how the one that the personality type that 
uh, some writers talk about the most are introverts. And actually, my experience has been, and I'm an introvert, my experience has been that introverts excel in especially scrum-based agile environments um, because they have the two things they need. They have balanced conversations, which is a huge part of scrum, right? Everybody contributes, everybody talks, Mm -hmm. right? Um, But they also have processing time where they can really think about it and come back with an answer. And that's one of the beauties of scrum is that's built in to the scrum dynamic, everybody has time where they can just think, right. you know? Right. Um, and so it's funny how there's a lot of literature saying introverts are going to, you know, suffer an agile. And my experience has been they actually um, perform better in agile because um, they have their basic introvert need to be able to think and process internally. Um, as well as an environment that allows them to safely contribute without ever feeling like they're on the stage, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, You know, but I think the two hardest are really anybody who's really rigid, and they're just going to have a hard time anywhere because we talked about change, right? Change is just the nature of the beast. And if you're rigid, you're going to struggle in any environment where there's a lot of change. Period. Right. So when you run into somebody who has a rigid personality, um, and that's, as you say, not really conducive to the kind of teamwork that comes from agile teams, it just doesn't sound like somebody like that is going to do well on an agile team. Fair? Fair enough? True. They usually struggle. And it becomes a personal decision. It's not something that I can do for them, right? right? They need to make a personal decision. Do I want to change my paradigm and be less rigid and embrace this and trust other people? Because the rigidity usually is a trust issue. Mm-hmm. More often, trust or control. It's one of the two. Right. Um, and, you know, and it's, it's been amazing um, and I've talked with, with other consultants about this. When you see that the person says, you know what, I'm going to let go of my rigidity and I'm going to embrace this thing that feels like chaos. Huh. That's cool. And what they find is, you know, when we've talked about this, agile, especially when you have a cohesive team, becomes highly predictable. Mm-hmm. And those rigid people then actually wind up falling in love with agile. Huh. The ones who don't, decide to embrace this chaos because that's what it feels like to them in that moment, right? It feels like chaos. Um, they usually wind up exiting themselves from the organization wow. and go to an organization that does is a better fit mm-hmm. for them. Or they go to a different part of the organization if it's a large enough company. Yeah. Yeah, now I've read two shifting gears here that Agile works best with teams made up of experienced programmers. Now, does that mean that if we're lacking experienced people that we should possibly reconsider whether or not we do Agile? I think what people mean specifically is they're talking about um, Scrum. And Scrum does have some early dependence on really experienced programmers. Mm -hmm. 
um, over time, that actually becomes a hindrance because we all know the more we do something a certain way, the more rigid we become. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Whether we, that's on our personality, but we just, you know, you think about it. How many times do you just decide you're going to change the way you drive to work? Never. Almost never, <laughs> right? You have a route that you like and you drive that same route over and over again. That's right. And that's what happens with any experienced talent. Right. And what is so great is, especially when we do a scaled agile methodology, we have the opportunity to mix these teams up and have experienced and inexperienced people on the same team. And every single time that's happened, that you know that I've been there and watched it, right. the experienced person learns as much as the inexperienced. Because the experienced person has to then justify why they were doing things a certain way. And inevitably, in that process, they discover a better way of doing it. I'll be darned. That's so cool. And that's one of the beauties of this work. And one of the things that we really get from extreme programming is that dynamic of mixing talent and mixing perspective and having that intellectual diversity mm-hmm. and how much better our product is, how much more innovative and creative we are when we do that. Right. Right. That's very cool. It's um, one of the uh, unanticipated benefits of Agile, I guess. <laughs> yeah. And I think to some degree, you know, there was some anticipation, mm-hmm. um, especially when we look at, the early pair programming um, techniques, mm-hmm. um, but the extent that it happened, the the real innovation that happened, that was not predicted. Um, it, but it's really exciting yeah. to watch it happen. So, peeling this onion a little bit further, programmers and software developers—they're not really or they're not generally the people who have contact with, with clients Mm -hmm. or things that relate to end user experiences. It seems like the possibility of exposing them to agile with its built in customer focus is another benefit for any business or have I jumped to the wrong conclusion? No, absolutely. And you know, so, okay. (laughs) <laughs> I haven't had one in a while, but here's in the moment of absolute transparency and honesty. Okay. <clears throat> Excuse me. So one of the reasons, the, the truth behind the product owner, when we started doing this, mm-hmm. um, there, was, there were a lot of concerns that wound up being validated about having highly technical people speak directly to customers. Right. They don't speak the same language. And more often than not, the programmers would walk away just infuriated. The customers didn't really answer my questions. And the customers would walk away feeling demeaned and disrespected. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. Not good. No. Not good. Because these were not groups of people who were accustomed to speaking to each other and didn't know how to. Right. So the product owner role so is the voice of the customer. Right. We deliberately say that um, they were created to be that go between to translate for both sides. 
And that's really how that role kind of evolved was this recognition that often having these really technical, geeky, wonderful people mm-hmm. talking to these customers was a bad thing for both sides. Right. But by putting a translator in between, we could actually get a more meaningful dialogue. Okay going. And how it's evolved over the last, you know, what are we, 15 years now with Agile, believe it or not. We just hit 15 years in May, oh, I think. Um, <laughs> um, what, what's happened is now they, the developers and the, and the customers can talk to each other in some instances. And they have really meaningful conversations because they're both used to talking to the product owner. Right. Right. So they've both started learning the product owner's language mm-hmm. and now they can speak to each other. And I, you know, I've talked about this before on the podcast when I've been in those conversations and actually had the customer and the developer stand up on a whiteboard and design something together. Mm-hmm. And what an amazing experience that is and how both walk away just feeling like they're walking on air. Right. And, and, and it's, it's because of this evolution that happened with the product owner. Right. And it seems like, you know, along those lines that when you get to that delivery of the finished product step, you're going to be asked, can you add this a lot mm-hmm. less or a lot fewer times if, you've, if you're doing what you just described? Well, and also it's going to be more meaningful, mm-hmm. right? So not to be too topical, but when we look at like something like Pokemon Go, mm-hmm. Pokemon has a it has for a long time. The reason why this game has been around for 20 years right. is that it has a very active relationship with its customers. Hmm. And... So they recently went out to the Pokemon Go community and said, okay, what do you want next? And they got really meaningful, coherent answers. Oh, that's so cool. That they're now working on prioritizing. And that's where we are as a community. Customers aren't saying, well, can you make it blue? (laughs) Customers are saying, you know, I like going to the gym and fighting, but you know, it'd be really fun is if we could fight trainers directly like we can in the game. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, and, you know, that's a totally different type of conversation because the customers are asking for a feature now. Mm-hmm. That's right. And they're asking for it in context that developers and the company can, can really understand. Right. And you get a meaningful conversation going. Yeah, I have to admit I'm not as up on Pokemon as I as I should be, but um, <laughs> it's never. And I'm an addict. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, we represent the yin and yang of of the Pokemon universe. <laughs> now, I guess if it was me, and I were going to begin an agile transformation, I'd probably start with a stand up or the daily stand up. Do you? agree that that's a good way to start? I think it's a great way to start, especially for leadership. And I often encourage that 
that an organization that's looking at agile transformation is to first start adapting some of the agile behaviors yourself. Mm-hmm. So, you know, face-to-face conversations, stop doing status reports, start talking to each other, um, collaboration, have a backlog as a team, uh, things like that. Right. Uh, and really start thinking about who are your customers, who are your investors, what business value are you supposed to be delivering? Do they need from you? Right. Uh, as part of this transformation, right? Right. Um, in the stand-up is just, just one of those really meaningful things. And we've talked about this when I've been an engagement leader. Mm-hmm. Um, every time, you know, we had daily stand-ups. Right. And we had retros and we had a backlog and our backlog, you know, we we would prioritize it and we'd work on it as a team because more often than not, if one coach has an issue, I bet you two others do too, but the exact same one. Yeah, that seems nice. So why not work on it as a team, a transformation team, to solve that organizational issue instead of always trying to solve it as one-offs? Yeah, that's so right? well said, yeah. Okay, so if we've got the daily stand-up to start, I think the next thing I'd consider as I start my Agile changeover is a short work iteration that ended up with a working product. And again, Mm -hmm. what do you think? Is that a good second step? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's one of the things that, you know, we always have to think about in business. We're getting paid... And when I say business, I mean that very generically because it's the same thing if you work for the government and it's the same thing if you're in a nonprofit. There is some value that you are supposed to be delivering to that organization. Mm -hmm. And start with that. And what in, you know, you call it your working product. That's Mm -hmm. what you're delivering, right? right? That's the same thing as value. What's value? And how are you going to get there? And how are you going to deliver incremental value? Stop thinking about the big bang. You know, don't start with what will our organization look like once we're agile? No, (laughs) because becoming agile is a journey. It's not a destination. I always, it's one of the things us consultants always know when somebody says, well, we want to be an agile organization. We chuckle inside. Yeah. Because you know, you're agile when you've completely embraced the fact that you're always going to be working on this. <laughs> oh, that's so right. Right? That's right. You're never going to be perfect and you're never going to stop trying. Uh, you're always going to be continuously improving. It's that's not right. a destination. It's not like, okay, we're an agile company. Check. <laughs> Let's move on to the next thing. Right. right. Um, so think about how you can deliver incremental value. Mm-hmm. So every two weeks at a minimum, you want to be able to say, to your organization, this is what I did for you. Right. Yep. And that's, that's a really powerful message for you as a messenger, mm-hmm. but mostly for your stakeholders. Right. Especially if you've read them right and you've got them aligned and they're like, yes, that's what I needed. Yeah. That's really powerful. Yeah. Nothing works like success and showing them something that does work is, uh, that's 
hard to hard to be against. <laughs> but um, no doubt somebody somebody will be. But we talked. You talked about those folks earlier. Finally, then, Ren, with with the time we've got left, is agile? Is it worth it? Absolutely. Um, whether we're talking about incremental improvements and improved business, you know, delivering value in your organization, all the way to enterprise things like being able to radically improve your capitalization and therefore reduce your income taxes and, and other uh, financial benefits to your organization, of course, it's, it's worth it. Wow. Um, over and over again, we've assessed the the cost of this is a, is a transformation of change program and the benefits um, outweigh it and usually by about three to four times. Right. Um, and that's a pretty damn good return on investment. Boy, I'll say, I mean, if you could have that in any kind of an investment, you know, you, you take it in a heartbeat. Yeah, I think um, pretty, especially when you know how predictably that is, right? right. <laughs> You're all like, yes, Heck let's yeah. do it. Well, it seems like more often than not, Agile is going to save time. It's going to save money. It's going to help deliver better software sooner and bring people together out of their siloed cubicles and into and onto a much more productive team. It seems like only those who are rigid in their thinking um, or somehow devoted to staying isolated um, are the people who aren't going to do as well with Agile. So, Ren, thank you for making all of this clear for me and for those who are listening. Now, to learn more about this and other Agile topics, please visit the website at www.renmelberg.com and be sure to come back next time for another edition of the Guardian Podcast with Ren Melberg.